Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for a team's present and future. Questions are always welcome, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Instructional Snapshot, Pertuz. Hudson and ask me questions if I was confusing. Before I get to the podcast, I have a game of Tribond for you to play. Tribond, I give you three names and you try to tell me what they have in common. I will give you the three names Jordan Hicks, Harrison Bader, and Brandon Lowe, or is it Lau? The two guys that are on Tampa, there's one guy that's named Lau, and there's one guy that's named Lowe, and I can't tell by looking, I can't remember if which one is Lau and which one is Lowe, but I think it's Brandon Lowe. So the three names in Tribond are Brandon Lowe, Harrison Bader, Jordan Hicks, and I will get back to that rather soon. Fabian Pertuz is a 20.03 eight-year-old infielder for the Cubs in their pipeline. 20.038, meaning 20 years old and 38 days. So if you're listening to this podcast later than when I'm recording it, the number will be higher. If you're listening to this podcast before I recorded it, then he will be younger than that. He is from Barranquilla, Colombia. Barranquilla, Colombia. Oh, what a cool sounding town. It's on the Magdalena River. It's in a, uh, what looks to be a super town of uh, Soleda. And, you know, that would be kind of like Chicago, except um, Barranquilla is like uh, Des Plaines or something like that. Um, Barranquilla is in the northern portion of Colombia, somewhere caught between Cartagena and Santa Maria, which is a Matt Vescursion occasional mention. Pertuz signed for $300,000, which is one of those markers. When you're talking about international signings, $300,000 is one of those markers. And I can't tell you specifically what it means, but when a player signs for $300,000, there's a uh, cache that goes with that, an expectation, and... I think either Acuna or um, Albies signed for $300,000. The other signed for $100,000. So sometimes you can get incredible value for $300,000, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. Fabian Pertuz is going to the, is in the instructional camp, so at least he has impressed the brass to that extent. One thing about... Pertuz, oh, I, I forgot to mention, he attended Orlando Cabrera's Prospect Sports Baseball Academy 
in Barranquilla. In 2018, this is what I was going to get to. In 2018, he was in extended spring training. I'll get to that in a second. Extended spring training. It was expected that he would do well in extended spring training and he would entirely skip the Dominican Summer League and go directly to the Arizona League. Except in extended spring training, he kind of misfired and was outclassed by pitchers that were far better or that were far more experienced than any pitchers he had ever faced before. So he was returned to the Dominican Summer League. I want to talk about the ex extended spring training. I've occasionally talked about it before during the offseason. It really isn't all that pertinent for a lot of people to think about spring training. Extended spring training is when all the players in the organization in April have been sent off to where they're going. For instance, some players go to Chicago, some players go to Iowa, some players go to Tennessee, some players go to Myrtle Beach, some players go to South Bend, and the other players remain in extended spring training. At least that's how it worked through 2019. So you would have 40, 50, however many players, 60 players, I don't know however many players, that were allowed to play in extended spring training. And through April, May, into June, they prove whether they belong in Eugene, Mesa, or the Dominican League. Pertuz, it was expected that he would be in Arizona League, but against more experienced players, he struggled and they decided to send him to the Dominican League. Again, I will get back to his numbers presently. With the new baseball minor league setup, I don't know what the extended spring training is going to be about. It used to be, oh, let's say 40 years ago, extended spring training was for players who were trying to rehab and maybe just a couple of players who might be being sent off to one post or another for injury's sake. So, you know, you want to have a couple of pitchers in extended spring training. So if somebody in one of your affiliates gets injured, you have somebody to send there. Eventually, someone got the wise idea to load up on talent in the extended spring training level and have 20, 30, 40, 60, 80, however many players, and get them free at bats against quality opponents. Seems like a good idea, no? So that's what teams started to do. They would have a whole bunch of players in extended spring training. Oh, by the way, no, they're not getting paid for that. Maybe a per diem, but not actually getting paid paid. So uh, they're playing in extended spring training, and they're getting free games in. They're playing against other organizations, pitchers, other organizations, hitters, and showing whether they're ready or not. As of 2019, Arizona Phil was noting that the extended spring training teams were being specified as far as Team 1 or Team 2 it was less about, yeah, bring however many people you want to extended spring training. 
And instead of that, it was you were limited as to how many players you can have in extended spring training. I expect that to continue, and that will hamper player development, as most things in Baseball 1 are going to do. Fabian Pertuz in 2018 in the Dominican Summer League. As per usual, I go with batting average and OPS. If you are of a mind to be a Fangraphs or BB Ref or whatever person, you're certainly welcome to look up the numbers further and do all the research. I strongly encourage it. But I'm going with batting average and OPS because I consider both old timers who really aren't too cool with numbers to be as important as the people who are young and completely into OPS plus and whip and ERA plus and all that kind of stuff. So Fabian Pertuz, 298 batting average, 846 OPS, 36 stolen bases. That was over 62 games. He had six triples. In 2019, Fabian Pertuz moved up to the Arizona League. His batting average was 325. His OPS was 795. Interesting, the batting average goes up. The OPS goes down. He had nine stolen bases over 49 games. Why did the OPS go down? He only had one triple instead of six. Pertuz is at the instructional camp at less than a 21-year age. That's a good thing. Probably there's a whole lot of other things you might want to know about Pertuz, and you're certainly welcome to ask, but over the last year, he hasn't played, so there's really not a whole lot of information. I will leave it at that for Pertuz, knowing that there is development still to come, and I look forward to following it and reporting on it. I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. I was in between taking care of this, taking care of that, doing my homework for this podcast. And when I pop back onto the site to do the podcast, the numbers updated and oh, cool. People are listening to my most recent podcast on why I don't think the Cubs should trade you Darvish. And I, I think it was a reasonably decent podcast. And, uh, Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Hopefully some of my podcasts are good enough in your mind that you can think, I ought to share this with someone else, whoever that someone else is. Some other like-minded Cub fan who is totally aghast that all the information he gets now is the Cubs should trade you Darvish. That person who actually wants some reasonably well-thought-out articles on... Shoot him a link. You know how to do that, presumably. If not, I will assist, though you're probably, many of you are probably a lot more adept at that than I am. Anchor allows sponsorships, should you be interested in that. That you are listening to the podcast is beyond belief as far as how much I appreciate it. Brian Hudson. Brian Hudson. This is not a Typical review of a player. He was signed in, or he was drafted in 2015 in the third round. He signed for a $1.1 million signing bonus because largely he came out of high school. 
I looked at a list on BBRef of players that were drafted in the third round after Brian Hudson. And of the players that were drafted in the third round after Brian Hudson, only one went for a higher signing bonus than Brian Hudson. Among those players, Brandon Lowe, Harrison Bader, Jordan Hicks. I have been critical of the Cubs for their reliance on continually drafting pitchers. It's not that pitchers that properly develop won't help a team. Obviously they do. I'm not bagging on Brian Hudson. He's gotten to advanced A ball. You don't get to advanced A ball by being a bad baseball player. I'm not bagging on him. What I'm saying is I'm giving an example. I love examples. I love evidence instead of, well, I kind of like this guy, so we're going to do that. I have numerous times, quite a few times, quite a few places, said the Cubs have been negligent on drafting second-day bats. But they draft bats in the first round. Yeah. But usually it's a good idea to have numerous quality hitters coursing through a system at all different levels at all different times. When it came to the Cubs deciding who to draft in the third round, they drafted Brian Hudson. I'm not bagging on the selection. What I am saying is Brandon Lowe was a college hitter at Maryland. Brandon Lowe should have been well scouted by the Cubs. Harrison Bader was an outfielder at Florida. Harrison Bader should have been well scouted by the Cubs. If a team is properly scouting all the teams across the world, uh, across the country, and they are conversant in, why should the Cubs draft this player instead of that player? Those are the arguments that should be intriguing. We'll never hear them, but those should be the arguments in any sport that are intriguing. Why did the Cubs select Brian Hudson over Brandon Lowe, Harrison Bader, or any of a number of different players? Harrison Bader was starting in the Southeastern Conference. I didn't write down his numbers, but I'm pretty sure Harrison Bader hit really well in the Southeastern Conference. If you have an outfielder that hits really well in the Southeastern Conference and plays at least adequate defense, at least adequate defense, I think it's reasonably safe to say that Harrison Bader probably played at least adequate defense in college. If you have an outfielder or an infielder who plays reasonably adequate defense and hits the heck out of the ball in college, do you think he'll probably be better or worse than the Northwest League? 
probably better. Do you think he'll probably be better or worse than the Midwest League? Probably better. You think he'll probably be better or worse than the Carolina League? Probably be better. So then what you would have is a player reasonably quickly up to the double-A level. 2015 draft pick, Harrison Bader probably would have been a starting outfielder in Tennessee by 2017. Just a guess. That's usually about the timeline. And the Cubs would have had an outfielder in Tennessee beating the snot out of the ball in 2017. Under the Cubs, how would he have progressed beyond that? I don't know. We, you know, that then you're really getting into butterfly effect kind of stuff. And how would would he have remained healthy in the Cubs system? Would he have responded to a whole bunch of butterfly stuff there? I'm not going to say that Brandon Lowe or Harrison Bader would have definitely had exactly the same major league career if they were in a different organization. However, if a team drafts a guy that can hit in college and plays reasonably decent defense, he should probably be able to do that up to the advanced A level and then take a shot at double A. Double A, you'll never know. You won't know until you see it. It's not that Brian Hudson was a bad selection. He's done fairly well. In 2016, he had a 5.06 ERA in Eugene. Eh, whatever. 2017, he did fairly well at South Bend. 20, 2017, he did fairly well at South Bend. 2018, he did adequately at Myrtle Beach. Had a little bit of injury trouble in 2019 at Myrtle Beach. There's still something there. He could still be a valid major league pitcher. Harrison Bader should have been... If the Cubs would have drafted Harrison Bader, he should have been to beyond where Brian Hudson has advanced now by 2017. By 2017. If a team refuses to draft hitters on the second day, they will not have hitters Internally grown at the double A AA and triple A levels. They won't. They won't. Yeah, you'll have guys like Chris Bryant and Ian Happ who do get to the major leagues probably, but you won't have guys following them up. If you want waves of talent, draft pitchers, draft hitters, draft fast guys, draft catchers, draft power hitters, draft left-handed relievers, dra draft everything, draft quality and develop the heck out of it, kind of like the Rays do. The Cubs' over-reliance on drafting pitchers. Pitchers are more risky than hitters. The injury possibility is obvious. The inability to locate it's very difficult to pitch at the major league level. So when the Cubs constantly 
disregard drafting hitters on the second day of the draft. It's no surprise they have no hitters on the bench, internally grown, to replace Kyle Schwarber when he's having a rough stretch. So what the Cubs then have to do is trade prospects to get other teams' trash. Players who have expiring contracts or players who there's something there they don't know about. If the Cubs were to split it more down the middle, draft hitters, draft pitchers, and hit on a whole bunch of them, hitters are more likely to get to double A than pitchers. Draft more useful I'm not bagging on Brian Hudson. There is a chance that with the instructional squad that he's with, he will figure out what he needs to be a reliever, starter, whatever, trade piece. Every single draft, the Cubs ought to be prioritizing both quality hitters and quality pitchers. And if you are following a college baseball team, you want to be able to tell which guys can hit. (laughs) You won't necessarily be able to tell which guys will be able to hit major league pitching. That is a specific skill. But if you're watching a college baseball game, and there's that one guy who all the time is better than the pitcher he's facing. He'll probably be able to get to double A. The Cubs' double A and triple A hitting recently has been horrific because the Cubs don't draft hitters. They just don't prioritize drafting hitters. They've drafted pitchers, but not hitters. What do Brandon Lowe, Harrison Bader, and Jordan Hicks have in common? They all signed later in the third round than Brian Hudson did, and they have all debuted in Major League Baseball. Three, four, five, six, seven, and and six other players have also done the same. Drafting college talent that is projectable is a wise thing to do for hitters especially and the Cubs haven't done that and I don't know if you noticed this but the Cubs only scored one run in the postseason this year maybe if they had more internally grown hitters they could have found a way to score another run or two Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll have another podcast up soon as circumstances warrant. I'll attempt to have that worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs, go. And be nice to people.